I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Loose Units, Loose Ends, the spin-off podcast where Dad and I keep you company during this weird lockdown thing. Uh, Dad, how are you feeling today? <clears throat> well, the listeners may, those that know how I speak in terms of my incredible sense of humor, they'll, they'll know it's me. Yes, sure. But for people that have only met me a few times, they might think that this person talking <clears throat> is a jazz singer of some sort. Yeah, you, yeah. You've, you've got a very husky Well, vibe, yesterday, I actually lost my voice. Right. Okay. And I called the local police and they said, what does it sound like? And they they put an EPB, an all points bulletin out for my voice. An EPB? An APB, all points bulletin. It's all police talk. I know. <laughs> did you know that? Yes, yes, I do. Oh, well, well um, hang on, what did you say? I You said EPB. No, I don't think so. I think if we roll the tape back. Okay, don't roll just, Hang on, hang on, I'm just going to roll the tape back. Put an EPB and all points. Yep, definitely EPB. <laughs> Which would be an every points bulletin or... Mm. I, I actually did lose my voice yesterday. Yes, mum must have been stoked. I was doing an interview about the book, Dad, about Electric Blue, and someone said, can you please describe John in terms that you know we would understand? Just like a relatable series of kind of archetypes. And I said, all right, imagine the blackboard from Mr. Squiggle with a gun. And they laughed very hard at that. <laughs> I think the thing I've discovered this week is that your most defining trait, one of your most like obvious traits when you meet you and when you listen to John is the voice. You have a very distinct way of talking and I, I imagine that must have been very strange for you to be robbed of the thing that has been, you know, one of your defining characteristics over the years. Paul, <laughs> Paul, that's yeah. not very nice to say that for a start. Secondly, I still have the intonation. <laughs> Hello? Sure. Yeah, you yeah, with yeah. me? Yes, I, I hear you. So I, I might sound different. Yeah. I might sound as though I'm squeezing my testicles, which has taken me up about half an octave. Mm-hmm. But I can assure the listeners I'm not. I've got both my hands in front of me. Now, do you think you'll have your uh, voice back in working order for our big electric blue launch party on Saturday? 100%. Amazing. Isn't it weird? Like, I just thought about life in general, how I, I envisaged being a famous singer and you have no control. I mean, the, the public would get really pissed off if they'd bought tickets to a very famous singer's concert. But if the singer loses their voice, there's nothing you can do about it. And I've, I, I probably only lost my voice and sounded the way I do now maybe three times in my entire life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll tell you what I am doing. 
uh, I'm actually, and this is going to completely discombobulate you, Paul. I'm reading the book, Electric Blue, mm-hmm. again. Oh, shit. Yes. It's the first book I've ever read in my entire life. Pause. Twice. You don't need to say pause, but I <laughs> No, I wanted to because I didn't want people to think that that's the first book I've ever read in my life. Oh, right. I'm not, I'm not a voracious reader. Mm. But as you know, uh, and, and the, the, the photographs I'm getting from all over the world with people who are literally, I don't like to use a sexual term, but I'm going to, that some of the people are literally climaxing. Is that a sort of a, yeah, that's, that's the vibe I'm getting. Yeah, and I just had a, a call from a, 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 a nurse who's going to be reading it at, uh, on the night shift. Well, look, I mean, we've got the launch party on Saturday and, you know, people are buying tickets. We've got a pay-what-you-feel kind of ticketing thing going on. But if you want to grab tickets to our live Zoom book launch with Dad and myself and hosted by Kumi Taguchi from the ABC, it's happening at 7 o'clock on Saturday night on the 22nd and it's going to be absolutely huge so head across to our Facebook page and grab your tickets right now I would say that tickets are selling out but the fact is as many people as we want could come like a football stadium's worth full of people could come and it would be totally fine that's the kind of magic of the internet and also dad how are you enjoying launch week because you know the book is out now it's out in the world it's um, it's bloody marvellous mm. I, uh, I took a video of Christine opening the book that she you know, Paul, you've, I didn't know this, but you've actually, you signed 500 copies, didn't you? Yes, I did. But you also did some beautiful little intimate things for people. I've seen a few of them and they're all different. Yeah, I, I sat there for what felt like a week. It's incredible. Just, yeah, some, some of the books I signed have signatures, some have little notes, some have clues as to how to do things later incredible. in the book, some have illustrations. Yeah, and I you went, didn't know who these books, you did not know the recipients, did you? No, and a, and a friend of yours, Stephen Lewis, mm. uh, you sent a picture from the inside of his copy of Electric Blue, and I'd drawn little uh, stick figures of you and me and labelled yes, but them. you had me with a grumpy face. <laughs> and you were chasing me, and you had a smiley face. Actually, I was jumping I in the air next to you. but I'm yeah. going to post that photo, that stick figure Please caricature. Do. Please do. Also, one other thing that uh, Tegan pointed out the other day, which I had completely forgotten about, and that is that at the end of the acknowledgements... At the very end of Electric Blue, I actually have a special thank you for all of you listeners. So if you haven't grabbed a copy already and you want to see me thanking you, because I did, I just wanted to give everyone a shout out and say thank you for uh, for making it happen. But speaking of listeners, Dad, we have questions from our listeners to get I through love this questions. episode. Okay. <clears throat> I love it. Here we go. So this is from Heath Johnson. Heath Johnson of the Bad Dad Joke fame from a few weeks ago. Heath said, I remember John telling me that your mum likes to sit in the audience at live shows and pretend to be a crowd member. Won't having her on the launch party and the Today Show ruin that? That is a, Ooh, that's that is a good, good call, question. isn't it? Because I know that mum was very reticent to actually be part of the Loose Units thing, but I think it was sitting in the crowd at our Sydney show at Giant Dwarf. Um, and she was just hiding in the crowd. It was her first time actually being present for one of these things. And after that, I think partially because of that show, Dad, she said yes to coming on and doing that two-parter on the show. Mm. But what was it like being you knowing that she was in the audience for the first time? It was, um, look, I guess like a professional um, should be, you have to completely disengage 
from all that. Mm. But I remember she said to me that at the Sydney show, she was sitting behind a group of girls and she could see over their shoulders and one of them had a photograph. They'd taken a photograph of you, mm-hmm. not me, and then they were putting all little love hearts all over it. And Christine thought that was incredibly sweet to be looking over an anonymous person's shoulder to see that they actually had a crush on you. That's very which is really funny. sweet. That's really um, nice. And then she went to the bar and she just chilled out and she was listening to the vibe of the night. And I think it's incredibly, I think a lot of people would, it's, it's the next best thing to H.G. Wells, The Invisible Man. How's yeah, that, that an analogy? That, but that's a cautionary tale about how being invisible would turn you into a monster. I didn't, well, that's, <laughs> I didn't, look, don't spoil my analogy. It means that you can go in with anonymity into yeah. a crowd yeah. and get the vibe. The downside of that, of course, would be if they were saying negative things. And that True. would be quite hurtful because, you know, Christine would then, it'd be like a tiny little arrow into the heart, wouldn't it? She'd whack him over the back of the head, you know. She mm. wouldn't take, take any guff. Um, I put a call out on our Facebook page today, Dad, for questions about anything from any of the topics that we've talked about here. And here is a question from Nicola McKenzie. Nicola asks, how do you make the decision of when or after how much time you're allowed to or is it safe to retell these stories? I work and study in ambulance and some of the things I have seen and heard are sometimes unbelievable, but I wonder sometimes how safe I am when explaining my cases to someone, even after pretty well de-identifying. When or how did you, more so John, make the decision to do this stuff without fear of repercussions or outing anyone? Sorry if this has been asked earlier. Hope you're all well, Nicola. It's a great question. We haven't been asked that question, Paul. No, we haven't. We haven't. And uh, I mean, the good news for me is that the events that Paul writes about mm-hmm. happened in the 80s, which means basically the years that I was 20 years of age to 30 years of age. Now, I'm now 60. So these stories happened between 30 and 40 years ago. And I've had some incredibly senior New South Wales police and Queensland police and Victorian police and New Zealand police and Tasmanian and West Australian. In fact, pretty well from all the police forces in Australia and some from overseas, very senior officers contact me directly and say, congratulations, well done, incredible stories, good on you, Um, thanks for putting it out there. And the thing with you, Paul, with your wonderful writings in the two books is that you have been very sensitive in terms of telling a great yarn, but looking after that sort of that sacred part of the story that, you know, that protects. But a lot of the stories that we do tell in fairness also did receive and have received tremendous publicity and in that case they are on the public record and we know that a lot of my stories are on the public record because uh, we have some wonderful listeners out there that do fact checking and occasionally uh, I've had to uh, correct a few of my stories because the thing about time uh, I bumped into a police officer that I used to work with at Mossman in the mid 80s I bumped into him last week Mm-hmm. And I gave him a bit of a rundown on some of the stories in your books. And he just looked at me blankly. And he said to me, and I quote, how on earth can you remember that far back? And then it made me realize, and I was a bit sad, actually. I was a bit sad that a lot of people don't remember these things. But I'm one of these people that can remember things with 
with great and vivid detail mm. uh, because they had, they, they had such an impact on my life. And I'm so, so grateful that you have managed to unearth and extricate and pry open these, these stories that I would have taken to the grave. As you know, Paul, you approaching me a few years ago with that crazy idea to write a book. It, and and, and you, you recall that I said to you, mate, um, we're, we're pissing in the wind. We, we don't have any material. Yeah, that's it. That's right. And you said, John, eh, shit, you didn't say John, you said dad, because <laughs> uh, I think the whole thing about calling your parents by their first names, super weird. It's weird. Yep. Or it calling them of, papa oof. is weird as well. Oh, the whole thing's a bit... I knew a fireman that introduced me to his parents by their first names, but then, which is okay. Yeah. But then throughout the period of, I was there for a few hours, he kept referring to his parents by their first name. And I found it uh, disconcerting. Mm. And that may or may not trigger a few little responses by our lovely listeners. But um, the thing is, Paul, that you said to me, you said, Dad, get yourself a little black book and a pen and just start jotting notes. When you sit down and go back through the, the stories of your life, it becomes, you get these triggers. That's why it's important if ever anyone does something like this, they must have the book with them all the time. Yes. And I went to, to the extreme of even uh, having it next to the bed. So if I woke up at two in the morning to go to the toilet, I would actually, if I had a thought, uh, a memory, I would write it down. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I actually have a uh, question about, because Electric Blue is about forensics, so I wanted people to ask some questions about forensics. And there's a question here that I don't think... You've ever been asked before. It's from Claire Anderson. Do you need to have a policing background to get into forensics? Two question marks. So that's like double the question. Unfortunately, I don't have the stomach or mental capacity to get into forensics, but interested nonetheless. Claire, first of all, don't be so hard on yourself. I'm sure you do have the mental capacity. The stomach, maybe not. But dad, do you need to have a policing background to get into forensics or forensic science? Most definitely not. You can go to university. And, and study 
forensic uh, forensics, forensic medicine. Oh. Um, I'm not quite sure of the New South Wales Police Force as it is now, um, and I might make some inquiries. And similarly with the rest of the police forces in uh, in Australia. Mm-hmm. But when I was in the police force, it was called the Scientific Investigation Section, and all staff were taken from general duties, and you just learnt about photography, crime scene, preservation of crime scene, gathering of evidence. I remember in fingerprints, to become a fingerprint senior expert took, get ready for this, can you, would you like like to hazard a guess as to how long... I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking about the uh, kind of university degree thing and the equivalence there. So I'm guessing three, five years. Mm. To be a senior fingerprint expert in the New South Wales Police Force in the 1980s, yep. minimum 10 years. 10 years? Minimum 10 years. To be a fingerprint expert, five years. But yep. to be a senior, like absolute... These are the guys that would get up in murder trials and the most incredible trials and they'd have a blow-up of the fingerprint with all the points, and they would go through intense um, cross-examination. Now, Paul, in Australia, Mm -hmm. uh, you know how I used to tell you about the points of identification on a fingerprint? Mm -hmm. So in in just one section of your finger from the top joint to the tip of your finger, there are around about... 350 points of identification in that little bit of your finger. Right. Now, in New South Wales, do you know how many points of identification you require to say that is definitely that person? No. How many? 12. And it varies all over the world. Some countries, it's 18. Some countries, it can be below 10. And it's a simple mathematical computation. So the chances of finding one human being with identical, uh, well, with, with the identical fingerprints, the only time that will happen is when you clone someone so that even identical twins have different fingerprints, which sure. is amazing. Yeah. But imagine that particular tiny little point of difference. So you could find another person with the identical point, but then the chances of finding that might be fairly common. Imagine finding two identical things, characteristics, yep. three, mm-hmm. four, and you go up all the way to 12, and you're talking more than the population of the earth. But the, the thing is, the reality with fingerprints is that when you are doing checking fingerprints from a crime scene, mm-hmm. And you're comparing them with the prints on record, of which there are tens of millions of sets of prints all over, millions and millions and millions all over the world in central bureaus. The thing is, Paul, that you identify that person long, long, long before 12 points. And a skillful defense counsel in the witness box will say to you, at what point did you realize it was my client? The, The correct answer is probably around about five or six points. Right. But you can't say that. But what the defence want you to say, okay, so you've agreed that this is my client at 12 points. Would you have agreed that it was my client at 11 points? Now, the real answer is yes, but you can see what they want you to do. They want you to go down that slippery slope and they take you into this realm where eventually it makes a mockery of fingerprints. Because they'll say, oh, but hang on a sec. 
the law says 12. You've already said you'll, you thought it was him at 11. So that's, that's a, a pretty good technique that good defense counsels use, and that's a trap not to fall into. And that sounds like you can, I mean, it sounds like a science, it's a science, right? So you wouldn't, um, as per the question from Claire, you wouldn't actually have to, you know, start in patrol duty, like general duties and work your way up. You would go from the science side of things. You would go from the, you know, okay, so you go to uni. That's, uh, yeah. that, that's yeah. crazy. I uh, actually have a question here, which I think you'll really like, Dad. Uh, this is from Michelle Kennedy. When I was younger, my dad told me I should study to be a, excuse me if this is not the correct term, Mortician, makeup, and hair artist. Curious, as you said, embalmers quite often subcontract their services. Is it the same for hair and makeup? Or is that done as part of the funeral director's training and they do it themselves? Or if there are particularly significant injuries and the family want an open casket, is that where they would call in a specialized makeup person to cover up injuries, etc.? Michelle. Now, Dad, um, I know we've all seen and enjoyed your YouTube makeup tutorials, but were you taught how to actually use makeup to kind of make someone look presentable um, when you were working at Kinsella's? Or... Paul, Paul, why are you yeah. laughing? Well, I just like the idea of you having a YouTube makeup tutorial channel. I think well, it's really I, sweet. I've always thought you were an ideas person, Paul, uh-huh. but... I reiterate that not all your ideas are good. I think this one is good. I think, come on, you can't tell me that the Loose Units fans would not love to watch you applying mascara to yourself with with a nice ring light. Paul, I wouldn't do it to myself, but I would do it to a a mannequin's head. Or a dead body. Well, I I don't have access to a dead body. But I did. But in the funeral industry, you recall how I mentioned that the, uh, the fingernails and the hair. Keep continue growing. to grow. Yes. Have I ever told you that I had to shave dead people? No. I've never told you. No. Now, just to be clear, you mean um, like you shave their beards, legs, everything? <clears throat> Paul. Yeah. Why on earth would I shave someone's dead legs? Well, I mean, maybe they wanted to be displayed in a skirt or something. Mm, but you normally don't. Look, you know, you've got the coffin with the split. Uh, like the hinge top section to expose... Just be careful of... you don't say... Yeah, because when you mentioned split and we were talking about people's legs, I thought you meant you could have the coffin with like a... You know when you have a skirt that has a split going up the side just yeah. to your, like yep. to make you look a bit sexy? What if you could do that with a coffin? Just like a split up the side just to show a little bit of thigh. Mm. Like I said, Paul, I... I, I, I this person, yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. <laughs> now, Paul, generally the person would be uh, clothed in fact, they would be clothed. Um, and unless you had someone very, very... For example, imagine Tony Abbott wanted to be just dressed in his sluggos, okay? I mean, just with an onion wedged in his dead mouth. Imagine if he wanted to be just... Because he was a member of a life-saving club. Imagine a lifesaver wanted to be... I mean, you know that in the Philippines they do... They have viewings where the person is on a motorbike. You've seen these pictures, I take it? No, I haven't. Hmm. So you can have any fantasy within reason uh-huh. after you die. And I've seen some extraordinary photographs of uh, in funeral parlours in the Philippines. Uh-huh. I saw one a few weeks ago where the person was riding a motorbike. And you know the story about my family that had the aunt brought in and she sat in a chair all day. Yes, I have. So she's obviously dressed nicely. You'd assume she's dressed nicely. Uh-huh. And, um, but the thing is, with a viewing, uh, with a man, uh, after they pass away, they continue 
the hair keeps growing. So just before you do the viewing, one of the jobs that I had was to shave the deceased. Right. Now, what you did, you basically got a shaver and a shaving brush. Needless to say, this particular brush was only used on dead people because the thought of accidentally using a shaving brush that had been used to make the foam and then putting it on my own face would be, quite frankly, A, mentally scarring, possibly forever, mm-hmm. and then put all the mental trauma aside, The can you imagine the frightening health problems? Mm. I mean, imagine if that particular person had some disease and you nicked them whilst you were shaving. Now... You've been in a shaver's or a barber's chair, haven't you? Uh, well, yeah, I was in one, you know, well, but, I mean, like six months ago, but yes. And yeah. did they use the cutthroat razor? No, I hate that. Okay. Well, I've, I've had it a few times. Yeah, yeah. I actually, you've really got to put a lot of trust in the person shaving. But one of the things that I know about my own shaving experience mm-hmm. is that I normally shave downwards, but then there are certain parts where you shave upwards and you need to make the skin taut. Mm -hmm. So when you make the skin taut to create a very sort of flat surface and then you brush it up, you know, soap it up and then draw the shaver, can you imagine what it's like to do that to a person that is deceased? And the thing is when you stretch their skin, it tends to stay stretched, which pulls everything out out of whack. So once you shave an area that you then have to sort of not mold it back, but you've got to kind of play around with the face a little bit to make it kind of put it back to normal. And then you need, once you've done the shaving, you then have to wash their face, get rid of all the soap. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because let's face it, if you didn't get rid of all the soap and the family viewed the deceased with shaving cream all over them, they might think it was Santa Claus, which would be a bit of a shock Jesus. on many levels. It's like that. Um, it's like that scene from Men in Black where, you know, the bad guy who's full of cockroaches has to stretch his skin back. Oh, it's Remember? terrible! Sugar in water, frightening. Do some googling. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, but look, you know, I, I did these things very reverently. I always did them by myself. I. It's, a, it's one of those weird things in life where you uh, you have to be in the present, yep. but also you need to sort of protect your own uh, mental state. Yeah. So I kind of looked upon it similar to my days in forensics and, and, and in fingerprints when we had to uh, remove hands off dead bodies, which is fairly common. And... Um, and you know, when I actually think about, I'm sitting here thinking back to those moments in my life where I did things like that, there's no trauma, there's no anguish, there's no, there's no PTSD, no, no nothing, because I've, I'm aware that I did those things, but I did them in such a way that I, was, I had respect for the deceased and I, th- I think it's a really, really important um, facet of that business. And also what you're doing is you're providing the family that ultimately get to view that person, that, that 
that they love and loved, mm. I think that's really uh, incredibly satisfying. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, I mean, I didn't... I mean, I kind of... The thing about Kinsella's, they would never force anyone to do that sort of work because some people cannot do it. Some people would prefer to be in the, in the garage waxing the cars. Yes, which is what um, you but, were initially invited to Which is do. what I was supposed to be doing when I first got that gig. But, yeah. you know, I look, I find that sort of stuff, um, yes, it's somewhat macabre, um, but it's, it's yeah, it's, uh, I think it's quite interesting and fascinating. It is. Uh, look, Dad, that might be all the time we have for this week's episode of Loose Ends. Um, obviously, we're going to be doing the big Electric Blue launch party on Saturday night. Oh, and so you were mentioning... Excited. Well, we were talking before about the live shows and, you know, what it's like to perform on stage, whether mum's in the audience or not. But the fact is uh, our book launch is going to be a pretty big one. It's happening on Zoom. You can watch it from anywhere in the world and you can get your tickets over at the Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash loose units. We've got some great stuff planned for the coming weeks. And again, thank you so much to everyone for buying Electric Blue and sending us photos and shooting videos. And, you know, if you want to just grab a copy, leave a review, pester your bookstores, and let's make this a bestseller. And uh, let's all uh, have a really great weekend, and we'll see you at the launch party. Fantastic. Now, Paul, will people see me live? Like, Yeah, of course they will. They'll actually be able to watch me. Yeah, yeah. So I should dress nicely? You should dress nicely, yes. I will. Cool. Smart casual, you know. Oh, I love it. Yeah. All right, fantastic. Look forward to seeing everyone on Saturday night. <laughs> See you Saturday. Bye, everyone. Bye. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.